Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Both, uh, we are, of course, going to start with uh, what's been going on in Israel. Uh, and, uh, well, it began, as everybody will know, with uh, rocket strikes from uh, Gaza uh, and uh, uh, the breaking down of the wall, as I'm sure Vanessa's going to be talking about in more detail in a minute. Uh, people running away from uh, a concert or a party here. Uh, and then, of course, uh, footage of uh, the wall itself or the, the fence and uh, the uh, taking of a tank. Uh, some quite sophisticated weapons uh, being used, uh, drones and so on, blowing up an unmanned uh, position in Israel here and so on. The Israeli uh, response uh, was typical, I suppose, uh, with uh, rockets and, and missiles going back into Gaza and so on. Uh, very much a question in everybody's lips has been what would be the Israeli response to that. And it looks like uh, they have decided uh, to impose a complete siege uh, on Gaza now. They are cutting off the water supply and so on. I'm sure Vanessa will have something to say about that in a second. Uh, but I just wanted to, to move on with the response from uh, the, the West in particular. Let's begin with uh, Rishi. The scenes that we've seen in Israel over the past 36 hours are truly horrifying. I want to express my absolute solidarity for the people of Israel. Now is not a time for equivocation, and I'm unequivocal. Hamas and the people who support Hamas are fully responsible for this appalling act of terror, for the murder of civilians and for the kidnapping of innocent people, including children. I've just spoken with Prime Minister Netanyahu to assure him of the UK's steadfast support as Israel defends itself against these appalling attacks. We will do everything that we can to help. Terrorism will not prevail. So that was uh, Rishi's position, and he followed that up with uh, a tweet to announce that, of course, 10 Downing Street would be carrying uh, the Israeli flag uh, projected onto it overnight. Uh, and our understanding is that all UK government uh, uh, buildings have been instructed to carry the UK as the uh, Israeli flag uh, today. Um, so here we have uh, uh, Claire Daly uh, tweeting this out. I know Vanessa is going to talk about this more a little later, uh, that the, uh, Israel, the EU are also putting the Israeli flag, rejecting that on all buildings. But of course, uh, some people commenting on the one-sided nature of the response to this, because this is Tim Anderson saying that nine years ago, young Israelis uh, in, in the Negev uh, cheered as they watched the 2014 Israeli massacre of Palestinians in Gaza. Some described it uh, as the best reality show in town. Others said it was, quotes better than the World Cup. Um, so there wasn't the same uh, response in the media uh, to that event uh, and so on. Uh, what's the U.S. position been? Well, they've decided that they are going to move weapons uh, into the eastern uh, Mediterranean. So this is Defense Secretary uh, Lloyd Austin. Uh, announcing that. I'll just bring the actual text on screen. Uh, the Secretary reaffirmed the unwavering support of the United States for Israel's right to defend itself and provided updates on U.S. actions in response, including its direction to move the U.S. Navy aircraft carrier USS Gerald R. Ford uh, and various other uh, uh, 
ships in the uh, fleet uh, into the Eastern Mediterranean in proximity uh, to Israel. And uh, Austin underscored these steps were taken to strengthen U.S. military posture in the region uh, to bolster regional deterrence efforts. Um, the response initially from Netanyahu was was this uh, this morning. Well, you can read that for yourselves on screen. Uh, but uh, it was this key point. I say to the residents of Gaza, leave now because we will operate forcefully everywhere. Vanessa, just in 30 seconds, if you could, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this because what, what we've really got to reinforce here is that as, with respect to Gaza, there's no way for anybody to leave. Well, apart from the fact that there is now, so I don't actually quite understand how Israel thinks it's going to besiege a Gaza where the walls have been broken down and actually territory to 25, 27 kilometers has been taken around Gaza by the resistance faction. So for me, this is an awful lot of kind of bluster from uh, the Zionist government. Okay, and uh, let's look at what the BBC is saying here, uh, because this morning they were describing this as Israel's 9-11 moment, uh, and I thought that was quite an interesting uh, statement. Um, this is uh, the South China Morning Post, uh, because this was a narrative that was running through all the mainstream media. Uh, so after declaring war, Israel bombards Gaza and battles Hamas fighters. So this was all about Hamas, uh, Israel and Hamas at war. Uh, that is the position. I'm quite sure Vanessa has something to say about that in a second. Um, so Vanessa, let's come on to your segment then. And beginning with this, uh, the Palestinians' inalienable right to resist. Well, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to try to bring it all back into context because people are getting um, bombarded on social media with images uh, and videos that are designed wherever the source is to discredit the Palestinian resistance. And in answer to what you said about this being a war between Israel and Hamas, I would very much like to correct the Western framing of this war. It is not about one faction, Hamas. It's about multiple Palestinian resistance factions forming a coalition to fight back against 75 years of occupation and oppression by Israel. So I wanted to start with this article, which was written by Louis Alday. I recommend everybody follow him on Twitter. He's one of the most sane voices on uh, the conflict itself. And this article, The Palestinians' Inalienable Right to Resist, so let's just go into that. To sit in the comfort and safety of the West and condemn acts of armed resistance that the Palestinians choose to carry out, always at great risk to their own lives, is a deeply chauvinistic position. It must be stated plainly, it is not the place of those who choose to stand in solidarity with the Palestinians from afar to then try and dictate how they should wage the anti-colonial struggle that, as France Fanon believed, is necessary to maintain their humanity and dignity and ultimately to achieve their liberation. He goes on to say that those who are not under brutal military occupation or refugees from ethnic cleansing have no right to judge the manner in which those who are choose to confront their colonizers. Expressing solidarity with the Palestinian cause is ultimately meaningless if that support dissipates the moment that the Palestinians resist their oppression with anything more than rocks and can no longer be portrayed as courageous, photogenic, but ultimately powerless victims. Does the world expect us to offer ourselves up as a polite, willing and well-managed sacrifice who are murdered 
without raising a single objection. So I wanted to bring that in as an initial context of what we're going to talk about. Then looking quickly at what Gaza is, effectively a concentration camp that was formed in 1948 by the ethnic cleansing of 247 villages shown on the left with the red dots into a concentration camp uh, 40 kilometers by 12 kilometers square, the size of the Isle of Wight, entirely um, shut down by uh, Zionist or Israeli uh, partition fencing, apartheid walls and barbed wire fencing cut off from all water sources. Um, the electricity, food, everything is rationed and supplied by Israel, so it can be cut off at any point. Um, and what we've actually seen is the breaking out of that prison camp, which is, for me, I never expected to live to see this. The following is a video from um, the Qassam Brigade, the military wing of Hamas. Uh, I'll talk a bit more about them later, showing uh, the taking down of uh, the partitioning fence. That, sorry about that. Sorry about sorry, that. Sorry. <laughs> In the last few months, we know that um, the plans have been coming to fruition. So this is not something that was planned overnight. This is something that has been in the planning for a very long time. And we'll talk more about that uh, later because there are various uh, theories circulating about the entire operation. This I just wanted to show. It's a rather wonderful piece of art by a young uh, Palestinian artist, Bassan uh, Arafat which shows something that, as I said before, I never expected to see in my lifetime, the taking down of the apartheid wall that has imprisoned two million Gazans for years. So a few of the statements and reports that are being put out, uh, there are reports that up to seven Americans have been killed. U.S. Secretary Blinken informed CNN the IOF is sending huge reinforcements effectively to the border with Lebanon rather than to Gaza. In fact, the reservists are basically refusing to go to Gaza because they're describing it as a suicide mission. Israeli Defense Minister Gallant's evacuation of all settlements within eight kilometers of the northern border with Lebanon. And we've recently heard um, that the Lebanon forces, resistance forces, have fired more missiles uh, into that area in the last hour or so. Netanyahu is stating that Israel is reinforcing other fronts. I'm not quite sure what that entails could also mean Syria. So nobody should mistakenly join this war. Joe Biden, it is time to let Israel attack until the end. So very belligerent rhetoric coming from uh, the US and from Israel. But I wonder if it's, um, sorry, 
Yeah, I was just going to ask, sorry, Vanessa, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, uh, what, do you, what do you think are the, the chances uh, that this would actually expand and accelerate? Uh, I mean, that's an interesting question. Certainly, it looks as if Hezbollah are going to enter the war because Israel fired on southern Lebanon and Hezbollah has always been adamant that it will only enter the war when Lebanon itself uh, is jeopardized. And it looks as if there is going to be an increase in Hezbollah activity. Obviously, as I said, this entire operation has been planned not only by Palestine, but by the entire resistance axis for some time. So I would surmise that Syria elements in Iraq, in Iran are prepared, even in Yemen, actually, are prepared to enter the war if it escalates. Are the U.S. going to be crazy enough to expand the number of military fronts that they're fighting on? Um, I really don't know. Uh, that that we, you know we have to wait to see. I, I think it's extremely unlikely. I think at the moment what we're seeing is a lot of rhetoric, a lot of uh, support for Israel um, from the various countries that are aligned with Israel. But whether we're going to see massive amounts of boots on the ground, I don't know. If we look at Robert Peston, who is, I think he's the foreign correspondent um, for uh, ITV, which is interesting because that will tie into my Syria report, he puts out a statement. Now, these days, I, I struggle to differentiate between statements from UK media and intelligence agencies. So I would suggest that this statement would be aligned with UK intelligence agencies. Uh, Hamas's attack on Israel has the potential to be as destabilizing to global security as Putin's attack on Ukraine. Worth noting that Zelensky is saying that Hamas could not carry out this attack without Russia. <laughs> So I think we see where this is going, a war against mm. Iran and Russia, certainly in word. Um, according to government and intelligence sources, they believe Hamas atrocities were sponsored by Iran. They warn Netanyahu is highly likely to retaliate. Biden and the U.S. would try to limit the scope of any Israeli strike on Iran, but would neither want or be able to veto it. There is a risk of this crisis spreading well beyond the Middle East because of Putin's links with Iran. The West's deep concerns about Iran's nuclear ambitions and China's power struggle with America. We are in the early stages of a conflict with ramifications for much of the world. So there, I think, to some degree, you have the potential that you were talking about, but whether they will follow through on it remains to be seen. So at the moment, this was yesterday afternoon, the resistance fighters are 10 kilometers from the outskirts of occupied West Bank. So they've covered a huge amount of territory in a very short time. And I have always said for years that if this turns into a ground battle, the resistance will for sure have the advantage. The Zionist forces are quite happy to beat up Palestinian kids in the street. But when faced with armed uh, resistance forces, uh, they will vacate uh, the area. Um, so here we have uh, displays of support from uh, including Yemen and Kuwait, but from Iraq, the Cairo Tower in Egypt. And of course, the Damascus Opera House, all showing the Palestinian flag. <clears throat> Just moving on. Um, and I've come back again to Claire Daly's tweet because Ursula von der Leyen put out a tweet, obviously very similar to Rishi Sunak and even Keir Starmer, who is basically word for word repeating Rishi Sunak uh, in support of Israel. So Ursula von der Leyen put out a, a tweet saying Hamas terrorists have struck at the heart of Israel capturing and killing innocent women and children. 
Israel has the right to defend itself. And Claire Daly replies, who do you think you are? You're unelected and have no authority to determine EU foreign policy, which is set by the EU Council. Europe does not stand with Israel. We stand for peace. And this is an interesting point. Not one of the governments that we've mentioned so far, Mike, are talking about peace. They're talking about taking a side in a regional war. It's quite extraordinary the levels to which we've dropped. So this is in Walla, a Hebrew website. Hamas, uh, I've put in brackets Palestine, because as I said, this isn't only about Hamas, has already won this round. The fact that the organization was able to surprise the best and most experienced intelligence in the world and mock the strongest security system in the Middle East and that it was able to control the event for long hours will not be erased from the minds of the players in the region. And that include also, of course, the enemies of Israel in the region. Then also in Israeli media, or rather this was published in Al Jazeera, Qatari media, um, various Israeli lawmakers and opposition members are blaming the programs are established by the far-right government, Netanyahu's extremist government against Palestinians for the terrible attacks. So they're actually not blaming the resistance factions. And here, Ofer Kassif says he warned the situation would erupt if Israel did not change its treatment of Palestinians. Moving on. I can't remember which one. So this basically I wanted to show because there are a lot of videos circulating showing um, the Palestinian resistance committing atrocities or, or allegedly committing atrocities against civilians. Why do I say allegedly? One, I condemn unnecessary violence against uh, civilian captives or against prisoners. However, I would say there are an equal number of videos that are not, of course, being amplified on social media or in Western media that show resistance fighters ensuring the safe passage of civilians and also respectfully um, bringing them into the prisons in Gaza, for example. And this is one of those uh, videos. If we can just show it, Mike. It's worth pointing out that it is Israel that is bombing Gaza where these hostages are being held. So they are putting their own hostages, or whether they're civilian or, or IDF, it doesn't really matter, at risk. And I also wanted to make a point about the videos that are circulating. One point is there are um, Israeli organizations within the military that actually are tasked with their entire strategies to infiltrate Palestinian resistance movements and to provide videos, to provide uh, scenes and events that discredit um, the resistance itself, one. And two, um, why I'm so adamant about saying that Hamas is not the only faction that is involved in this operation is because Hamas, people are quite right when they say Hamas was created by Israel. Um, there are WikiLeaks documents appertaining to that. 
But what they're missing out on is the normalization with Hamas over the last year and a half. Hamas were heavily involved in the destabilization of Syria alongside Al-Qaeda. And yet in the last year, they met with President Assad. They met with uh, Iranian leadership. And in reality, those members of Hamas that were against uh, the operations of Hamas in Syria have come on board with the resistance. The Qassam Brigade, which is the military wing, were actually against uh, the Hamas political wing joining in uh, the battle in or the conflict in Syria. So it's not as straightforward as it looks. So whereas there may be factions of Hamas that are inside Israel and may also well be carrying out these atrocities and filming them and releasing the videos in order to actually discredit uh, the genuine resistance, which, as I said, would not... Um, comply with or endorse these acts. So I think we should be very careful about rushing to judgment. I think that's what I'm trying to say here because the Zionist media, the Western media are going to be pushing back very hard against this and trying to portray Israel as the victim, whereas in reality, the Palestinians have been the victims for 75 years since the ethnic cleansing in 1948. And what I wanted to leave you with is the words of a young uh, Palestinian living in Gaza. She wrote this. I actually picked it up this morning. I think she wrote it yesterday, Heba Jamal. Uh, she wrote a wonderful article on the Diaspora Journal on Substack. Despite what you think, Palestinians are not celebrating death. And I'll just read from uh, a couple of sections of her article. My family's neighbors are annihilated. A whole family, the Abu Daga family with five beautiful children were killed in a single airstrike. From my perspective, I'm talking now, in 2012, I was in Gaza during the Israeli aggression when Hamid Abu Daga of the same family, 13 years old, was mown down Israeli helicopters in front of his house while he was playing football. So I am very in touch and very empathetic with this family. In the West Bank, settlers are being instructed to kill Palestinians on site, and we read our Facebook homepages like they are obituaries, seeing dozens of people we broke bread with disappear in a single moment. When I read posts shocked at how I am not condemning Hamas in this point in time, I feel once again inferior. My value as a human being is not seen the same. While we are in the most traumatic and gut-wrenching moments of our lives, there are some who believe now it is the time to say we have to condemn. We have to say that love trumps all. I truly goddamn wish that love trumps all, that it is love that leads revolutions. I wanted for my whole life to believe that by protesting long enough, by supporting BDS long enough, by writing long enough, I am actively making a difference. Well, I wasn't, not in the way that might save my people's existence. And her final word, I do not rejoice over death. I rejoice over the possibility to live. We are simply tired and hurt and grieving, and I cannot condemn the militants if I believe, even for a second, that there might be a possibility of all of this finally coming to an end. Okay, thank you, Vanessa. Now, I wanted to uh, move on to an article from a contributor to RT. Now, this isn't from RT itself, and it's in Russian, but I wanted to focus on one particular uh, point here and uh, uh, with a bit of translation. Of course, the Palestinians, it says, also had geopolitical reasons to take action today. 
Firstly, this is a signal to those states in the region that have begun to think about the possibility of normalizing relations with Israel, first of all, Saudi Arabia. Uh, there's been a lot of talk lately that Riyadh could begin rapprochement uh, with Israel and Iran, the country that oversees the Palestinian armed groups, could not help but react to this. So I, I just wanted to get briefly, very briefly, your thoughts on that, about uh, how much uh, influence from Iran uh, how much Iranian influence there was in the timing of this? I think uh, the timing was decided upon by the entire resistance axis. So that would include, as I've said, Syria, Iran, um, elements in Iraq, Hezbollah. Um, and I think it has more to do with the timing of it being on uh, the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the October war in 1973. But I think, yes, there are elements of the fact that, that it, it's not in the interest of the region, really, for Saudi Arabia, particularly. But it's interesting. Sorry, Mike, I just wanted to say Saudi Arabia has actually refused to condemn Hamas. It's under pressure from, from Blinken, but it's refused to condemn Hamas. It's, it's condemning individual acts, but it's refusing to come out in condemnation of the Palestinian resistance, which is interesting. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, Mark, let's uh, move over to you. Change, change topic somewhat. Somewhere. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.